So we're never going to have M. Night Shyamalan on the podcast, right? Because I'm going to talk shit about him right now. M. Night, go ahead and talk shit. And by the way, welcome everybody <laughs> to Letterboxd Recap, joined again by Natalie, the one and only. Hi. What were you going to say about M. Night? This fucking man pisses me off. Explain. You know when there's a class project and you're in a group of, say, five people? Yes. And you you don't always trust that everyone's going to do their job. And so you're like, hmm, let me play every part let me do each part of the project some people can pull it off when it's like a third grade science project sure but when it's a multi-million dollar film maybe leave it to other people who are more capable i know what you're saying i think that m knight's a really talented director but he's not a he he has great concepts but he needs he needs to have a co-writer to help him out with his bad tendencies as a writer because his dialogue is god awful did you watch an m knight movie this year this week I watched The Happening, <laughs> 2008. What was your letterbox rating of it? And is it was did it the first time oh, watch? Did I even put it on letterbox? Was I, it a first time watch of it? No, dude. I watched it as a kid with my mom. Mm-hmm. We got it from Blockbuster. And I love horror since, you know, I was born. And I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. But mind you, I was a child. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Child watching people kill themselves? Yeah. I was like, this is so dark. This is awesome. (laughs) And then I watch it as an adult, and I'm like, what the shit is going on? (laughs) That's the thing. He has an interesting concept, but he can never follow through with the writing. That's why he needs a a co-writer. What would you give it for a star rating on Letterboxd? Zero? Zero. I'm putting in half because you can't put zero. Oh, my God. I did not put it on Letterboxd. You can't be that mean to give it a zero, I guess. No. Any film. I'm... I'm pretty mean when it comes to ratings. Oh, see, it's a two, and rightfully so. I'm surprised it's even a two, honestly. Okay, you guys didn't rate this. I'm going to rate it Y'all say one you and watched a half. it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I haven't rated everything I've watched. It's just I, I don't have time to rate 4,000 movies. I don't have, you know, I can't do that. I guess. And I can't, I can't rate a movie that I saw 20 years ago and be like, I can objectively rate this. Yeah. well, I can tell you. <laughs> I'm shocked it's even a two. What's his pushing it? What's what's that actor's name? It kind of freaks me out. In that film? Yeah. Wahlberg? Yes. And be, like, he's got the face. He's got one of those faces I want to punch. It's not giving <laughs> evil, but it's a punchable face. So we can't have Mark Wahlberg on the show either. I mean, I... <laughs> Zoe Deschanel is pretty punchable in that movie too. No, she also, everyone pisses me off. Everyone in that movie is punchable. Even, we... even Linguizamo, and I love John Linguizamo, but he's punchable in that movie. Everyone is bad the the one of the opening scenes um he's in the classroom Wahlberg, and they're talking about oh the bees are dying whatever and this have you heard about the bees yeah first of all so irrelevant to the story he thought he was doing something there's no connection to that he never went back to the bees he never went back to the bees there's no connection because people are just killing themselves what does that have to do with bees they're not disappearing because evil i hate him because of trees have you okay. Seen, you, okay. Well, but but wait, wait, wait. For the directing part, where I'm like side eyeing because there's a lot of side eye in this movie. <sighs> Wahlberg goes when when the kids are leaving the classroom. He goes, "Hey, hey, guys, <laughs> nothing, nothing. There's no space for a uh, nothing." He, he goes no. like nothing. He, he like, goes, "Hey, guys, immediately nothing, nothing. At least take a beat. <laughs> At least take a beat." Apparently, Wahlberg and him butted heads the entire production. Yeah, that's I what I read. It. That shit was so bad. We've lost contact with whom? With whom? Well, I watched a better movie for my first watch this week. That's I watched uh, Supermarket Woman, which is an incredible Japanese film directed by Uzo Itami. He made one of my favorite um, Japanese films, Tampopo, the ramen movie. I've been last, telling you, yeah, get yeah, it, yeah, yeah. get on that Tampopo. Yes, sir. I was too busy watching Alien. <laughs> <laughs> Supermarket Woman. I gave four and a half stars, and it's another food-based comedy like Tampopo. And it's about this guy who's running a grocery store and his competitors have opened up shop. It's a discount superstore. And so he's losing business to them because of their incredibly low prices. And his market has become kind of lackluster and he's lost like really that, that thing that used to make it work. And so he actually hires his childhood friend who's a woman who was a, she was a housewife all her life. And then um, her husband passed away and her son graduated college and is living on his own. So now she doesn't have anything to do. And But she's an expert on grocery stores because she spent her life cooking for people and shopping for a family. 
And so she rejuvenates his supermarket to compete against the big guys. And it's really funny, incredible characters. It's a great foodie movie, but also it made me appreciate supermarkets in a way I never had before of like mm-hmm. behind the scenes of what a supermarket is and all the prep that goes into all these intricately packaged items from seafood to vegetables and like people actually prepare that behind the scenes and we never even think of that and on top of that like we can just walk into a grocery store buy whatever food we want at a pretty affordable price which is very rare and lucky to have in the world Mm -hmm. and it just made me look in that look at that world that little bubble that we all enter weekly yeah it's a part of our lives and no i've never really seen it depicted on screen before it was really great yeah, growing up, we had this um, like tiny Vietnamese grocery store on like this corner, and you'd see the owner. She would like you know, package things like on the counter or like, mm-hmm. yeah, just setting up the shop like running on her own. I feel like I would really appreciate this movie if I watched it. So yeah, check I mean, that out. I, watch it, it. I think you'd like it. It's really well done, and the lead actress is she's like one of the best comedic actors I've ever seen in my life. All right, let's get into our letterbox top four of five listeners before we get back into the rest of our movies that we've watched. So first up, we got Bryce with a movie I've never seen before, Local Hero. I'm going to have to add that to my watch list. It looks like from the poster we get Richard Gere and then someone else I can't tell. What year? Um, I, have a, I have a screenshot. Oh, Google it. I Give us a little... Local Hero movie. If it's the 83 one, it has Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster, yes. Yeah, okay. that's what it looks like. Yeah, Peter Rieger. Rieger? I like the poster, though. Looks interesting. And then we got La La Land. Rear Window. Great movie. Grand Budapest Hotel. Good one. Nice, Bryce. And then he recently watched Barbie Tremors, which is a really great movie. Barbie Tremors? No. <laughs> Barbie and then Tremors. <laughs> and then uh, The Third Man. Which is a oh, one, it's love. a wonderful Orson Welles film. Love, love, love that movie. And then Annie Hall, five stars. Annie Hall is one of my favorite romantic comedies. Romance. Romance. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bryce is a softie. Sickening. Good job, Bryce. All right, next up we have Dylan Waddle with a bang in top four of Goodwill Hunting. Nice. Fucking Boston guy. Boston. How you like them apples? Then we got John Carpenter's The Thing. Good one. Then Fury from David Ayer, which I think is a really good war movie. That's a solid film. I haven't really watched too many war movies. I'll make a list of good ones. sad. Yeah, but they're like really cool films. Yeah. But also it makes you sad, but then also it makes you appreciate, um, especially wars in the past where so many people gave up their lives for giving yeah, us, like I mean, providing us with like a, the, the world we live in now. And it's very, it's both tragic and inspiring at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but they're it's always hard heavy. To just watch. They're always yeah, heavy. It's just so heavy. Like I, it's hard to. Jarhead's like the only one that's not like hard to watch because they don't a, fight at all. I was a child <laughs> and my parents took me to go see Jarhead in theaters. <laughs> what? The only thing I remember was them having sex and my parents being like, oh, we got to go. <laughs> I was peeking through my fingers. They I'm were like, not I'm looking not at watching. the MPA rating no. before taking you. No, it was like back in the day we were just walking to a theater. They mm-hmm. didn't see trailers or anything. They were just like, oh, that looks cool. Jarhead. Mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. Speaking of Jake Gyllenhaal, Dylan's fourth film on his top four is Prisoners. Great, great film. Denis Villeneuve's really, I think, his big, huge breakout in America. He made a few great films before that. I think Prisoners really put him on the map. 
and in the Geitzeist culturally. Hugh Jackman. It's so good. Have you not seen it? Nope. Add it to your watch list. It's one oh, of the right. it's one of the best mystery dramas made the century. Oh, I do love a mystery. It's fantastic. And then it's got like memories of murder vibes, kind of, mm. but in America, in like Midwest America. And then recently, Dylan's watched Lone Survivor with Mackie Mack, all about, all, about, all about them bees. Last Voyage of the Demeter, which I haven't seen, and everybody's giving bad ratings. Ooh. And then Snow White and Depth First Heard, the duck. Thanks, Dylan. Wait, Snow White, which one? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the original. Oh, the OG. The OG. Wow. It's and what was one. the last one? Sorry, I get blacked out. And then Depth First Heard. Interesting. I think the uh, it's a documentary made about Johnny yeah, Depp yeah, and Amber Heard. It's on Netflix. I wonder if Hulu. How do they get the rights funny. to that? Probably to the, to the courtroom. Well, I guess it's public. They just called up C-SPAN and posted it. cut C-SPAN footage together. <laughs> All right, next up we have I.L. Reda, A.E. on Letterboxd. I'm loving the first pick. One of my all-time favorites, There Will Be Blood. Mm. Absolute banger. The Machinist with Christian Bale, which is a movie that really put him on everybody's minds as being a really incredible actor to watch. And also was really, after bulking up for American Psycho, he dropped, he went down to like 120. Dude, he's so insane. And he's six, he's like six one. He's such a committed actor. Mm -hmm. He had to actually stop changing his body weight because he's experiencing heart problems now. Yeah, I'd imagine so. He's insane. I, I saw a Damon interview because um, they were in a film together recently. They were in Ford vs. Ferrari. And Matt Damon said that they were like just hanging out, talking about a scene they were about to film. And then Christian Bale got a phone call. He's like, oh, this is my heart doctor. I have to take oh this. Oh, my God. And Damon's like, yeah, please take it. I, I respect it because, you know, you go so hard for the art. Yeah. But, yeah, we should take care of ourselves at the same time. Yeah, hopefully. I think he's a healthy guy, though. I always see him running and surfing in photos. He's an avid surfer. <laughs> yeah, I can confirm that he is healthy. <laughs> Surfing's a big workout, it looks like. You're squatting yeah. the whole time and swimming. And like, yeah, the arm strength. All right, next up we have Donnie Darko. Jake Gyllenhaal is all over this Letterbox Top 4 today. Scary. Donnie Darko, Darko is a great film. Great sci-fi film. We did an excellent episode on it, if anyone hasn't heard it. And then, one of the all-time great westerns, we have Butch Cassidy and... The Sundance Kid, starring Paul Newman and Robert Redford, the iconic duo. And then recently, speaking of those two, he watched The Sting, made by the same director, which actually cleaned up at the Oscars with like eight Oscar wins, I think, The Sting when it came out. Children of Men, which is one of the greatest films of the century. Then Lucky Number Slevin and On Sunday, which is another Denis Villeneuve film. Really incredible stuff. Aya, great taste. Good job, Aya. Next up number four we have liam a stewart all the way in scotland what's up bro scotland we got oh, american history <laughs> scotland in it scotland in it <laughs> <laughs> a little off <laughs> wrong part of the island first up we have an american history x which is a really intense gripping drama uh starring edward norton and guys second oscar nomination for and edward furlong then Silence of the Lambs, the Jonathan Demme film, which is, in my opinion, one of the greatest American films ever made. And then another one of those, Psycho, from Alfred Hitchcock. Nice. And then an all-time comedy, Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz. which is my favorite uh, Simon Pegg film. I mean, my favorite Edgar Wright film. What else has he done? Edgar Wright did, he so he did Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, Baby Driver. Oh, okay, maybe it was Baby Driver. Nah, he's a great... Uh, comedic British director. British in it. And then our fifth top four for today is Evan King TK, a longtime listener of the show, all the way in Nebraska. Nebraska, baby. Evan's been waiting for us to read his letterbox top four. Sorry for the wait, guy. <laughs> it's so been months. Rude. I've been vouching for you, Evan. So Evan's got a great top four. He's got Dead Poet Society. Ugh. Which just I'm just I'm getting I emotional was just thinking about, about it. it yesterday. And you actually watched a similar movie I that did. we'll get to. That's why yeah. That I've been dying for you to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Iron Giant, all time animated film. 
Taxi Driver, one of my personal faves, and then Whiplash, but also Evan made this really cool like amber poster selection for all the films. Really great. Uh, oh. It looks great. Wait, he made that? Well, so with Letterboxd, if you're a patron on Letterboxd, you can choose custom posters. Oh. And so some people like to color coordinate their poster selections. Cool. So it's very cool. Very Evan, sleek. Evan, artist. Evan, you Evan are an artist. Slay. Slay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to everybody for sending their Letterboxd Top 4. If you want to have your Letterboxd Top 4 read on the show, all you got to do is screenshot it and DM it over to me on our Instagram page. Now, I'd like to get into that film that mm-hmm. reminds me of Dead Poets Society that you watched recently. I don't know if you felt the same watching it. Yes. Okay. Very much got Dead Poets Society vibes, but can we spoil? Or so we're going to talk about the hold. We're going to talk about the holdovers. You can spoil. We'll just do a warning. Yeah. Because the holdovers has been out for a while in America. It's been almost a month. I guess not like a heavy spoiler, but I was surprised when the boys left. And left totally oh, behind. Yeah, yeah that's, not, that's not a spoiler, I, I don't think. It's not? Because it like, was for me. Because the trailer is just the three of them, you know? Yeah, I, I watched one trailer yeah. in theaters and then... The I whole movie's billed as three people alone. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So they had like the what, five kids in total. Yeah. And then they went to their little ski resort. Wasn't that so funny? <laughs> I did not think they would leave. <laughs> I thought it was a great joke. It was so funny. I was dying. I and was, then the, sh- yeah. the two shot of Giamatti... And um and the young the kid just staring at the helicopter flying away and I was mm-hmm. and he's like, let's make the best of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so funny. Paul Giamatti. But um, what'd you put for a rating on Letterbox for it? Oh. Go right now. Out of five stars, this. what are you putting? Ooh. I personally gave oh, it four I? and a half stars. Oh, I did rate it. I did. How do I look at? Ah, four and a half. Isn't it? It's just great. Yeah, I think five stars is just a lot. And it's, I'm not saying yeah. it's not five worthy, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not a five for me. I've but only given five stars to two movies this year. Wow. Just two. Well, it's January, so I mean last year. <laughs> oh, it's twenty twenty four. Zero movies. Zero twenty twenty four wow. movies. I doubt that a five star movie will come out in January, so Damn. But yeah, I, I love that movie and I was surprised when they left. Um but I love the way it played out. The uh the one scene, I think it was Christmas morning, and Paul Giamatti's character goes to look for Tully. He's like running mm-hmm. around school, and he like busts the doors open. He goes, Tully! <laughs> and the camera like pulls out real quick. Mm-hmm. I, that was a really funny shot. There's a lot of great yeah, shots. Alexander Payne's a really, really confident director, and it's it's just it's a movie that I'm. I, I grew up in a lot of the region where it's filmed too. And oh, yeah, it was, it was filmed in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, it was filmed in Massachusetts, and, and a little bit of it was actually filmed in Waltham, the town I grew up in, and it was just so cool to see that on the screen. And just there's something about wintertime in, in Massachusetts that it's just such a specific thing. Yeah. And whenever I see it in films, um, it's just it just makes me feel, like, very nostalgic for where I grew up. Yeah, and they filmed on location. Mm-hmm. There were the no, whole like, thing. studios. Yeah. That's, he doesn't the, shoot in you studios. You recognize a lot of those places, right? Yeah. That's awesome. There's actually a restaurant I grew up going to as a kid. And my family still goes to it to this day. Uh, it's called the Chateau, and it's actually like the the fancy restaurant they go to in the film. Oh, so they, they, get they dressed the, it up. The but, cherry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so the exterior, they showed the exterior, and it's like brick building with a uh, red uh, light sign. It says the Chateau. Wow. James and I went to see it, and, we, and that shot showed up, and I was I just elbowed him. I'm like, oh my god, it's the Chateau. <laughs> it's the Chateau. <laughs> They're in Waltham. That's so sweet. <laughs> it's amazing. I love that. All right. Yeah. I'm glad you Four liked it. I loved it. So the next film I watched was a movie that I liked but did not love. It's from James Gray called Two Lovers. And it's a movie I've been meaning to watch for... I mean, John... Yeah, James Gray. Um, I've been meaning to watch it for a while. It came out over 10 years ago. It came out in 2008. Uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, Gwyneth Paltrow. And it was good. It was interesting. And it had some really great moments. But overall, it had an odd tone. Hmm. And just in kind of an odd character where he wasn't that likable. And even Joaquin, with his talent, couldn't really put it over the edge where it was an un- unlikable character that you loved watching. Like one uh, of those charismatic ones? Yeah. And it was just a, it was just a strange screenplay. I, I predicted the ending about halfway through. Hmm. And when that happened, I was like, oh, so I was right. So it, 
it was kind of a, a lot a, a lot simpler than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And the film's kind of billed as a love triangle, but it's not a love triangle at all. So it's not what I was expecting walking into it. Um, it was okay. I gave it three and a half stars. But James Gray, he's a, he's a solid director, but he's just consistently he's consistent at making like good films. But he's he's he doesn't really have like that really great film in him. His movies are always like very good but never quite going past that. Mm-hmm. And this is just another example of a movie that's good, but just never quite hit the potential that he set up, unfortunately. So you're saying he's mediocre. He's the worst director. He's worse than M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. No. You think he's worse than M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> no, no. Don't he's made lie, some good movies. Bro. His best movie is Ad Astra, which is another movie that's it's very good, but it just didn't quite get there. Mm. Uh, he's also made Lost City of Z, which is another movie that's very good, but just... He just... It's his third act more than anything. His third act, his, his third act's kind of flatline in a he way. He got tired, man. He <laughs> break. He wrote it's fucking out. two acts. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's got, his movies are still good and they're interesting and um, they're all on the Criterion channel. That's where I watch this. They have a, they have a whole uh, collection of his films on their app right now, Criterion Collection. I love Criterion. I know. I, I tell everybody to get it. It's amazing. It's I, my favorite thing. I could... Lose all my subscriptions and just keep Criterion and be happy. I I actually had just Prime and Criterion for most of last year, but oh, then wow. I started using James's Netflix and then I got Max. I got Max. I yeah, because they have great movies too. I think I only pay for Max and Criterion Channel. You know what's really sad is it's it's on all the apps. It's so hard to like find classic movies. They'll have them, but Ooh. like to to like find classic films. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like on there's the like other no apps. there's no category button. Yeah. There's no yeah. like section because it's not it's the least watched. Yeah. And I understand why they're they're gonna they obviously order their they structure their apps and sites to okay whatever people most commonly watch but like they make it hard to find like classic movies. They're just trying to make a buck, man. It's sad. It's sad because like and then to find them generally you'll find like a list and it's all alphabetical. It's just like they yeah. just like put it in an alphabetical list, and it's like not really marketed at all on the apps, which I find really sad. Can but Criterion you look up is years like Criterion Channel, where you can look up the. the years. I don't think it works like that. But I've never tried that. Criterion does have a great tab where you can yeah. you can search either through year, or through country. decade, or through country, yeah. or just language. Mm. And so, if you want to get into it, Criterion makes it easy to if you want to get into like French films from the '60s. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get into the new wave, you just you can make your search parameters French, 1960s, go. Yeah. And it'll have, it's just, I love that aspect to it. It's a great app. Yeah, it helps you like expand your horizons. Everybody should. Yeah. Now, before we get into more movies, I want to throw out some unsubscribes because James and I haven't recorded an actual main episode in almost three weeks. And that's when we usually do the unsubscribes. So I have a, a bunch of them right now. So I'm going to read them off. <clears throat> First up, we got... Andrew Cruder wrote in our Whiplash episode, Carol Danvers is not Supergirl. It's Captain Marvel. <laughs> you guys must hate all Marvel movies unsubscribed. And I wrote, whoops. Oopsie daisies. <laughs> Got me. <laughs> My bad. Marvel's fun. <laughs> and then uh, John Paul Roman wrote on our movie news episode, Bruh, the Chargers play in Los Angeles, not San Diego. Do you guys even watch sports unsubscribed? Oh, but this is because the Chargers played in San Diego for like the last 30 years and they just switched to LA recently. So when? it's still like glued into my mind that it's the San Diego Chargers. I mean, this sounds odd, but I... I don't have any connection to any sports teams anymore. Mm. And so these teams, I don't connect them with their state. They just are who they are. For Does me, that make sense? For, yeah, I guess. For me, the city is just as much a part like, of the name as the name is. Chargers just like lives up in the air. Like I don't, like, oh yeah, that's San Diego <laughs> or like that's LA. But they were, I mean, they were San Diego for, I think from the 80s until like five years ago. And then they moved to LA. Mm. But um, he got me. Got <laughs> John your got ass. me. All right, this is a great one. So Lewis wrote in our news episode, don't get me wrong, I love this show. It's amazing. I love your chemistry, but the fact that James is overseas and not with Anthony because he got bigger than the podcast and is a big shot now in the movie-making world is just sad to hear and unsubscribed. (laughs) All jokes aside, I can't get enough of your show and really happy you guys are still doing great. Aww. (laughs) That's great. 
That was a good one, though, because we feel the same way. Yeah. Thanks a lot, James. Thanks, James. The Big point. shot, James. Big shot, James. Posting pictures of sun and grass. <laughs> All right, next up we have motherfucking OG. <laughs> That's his name on Instagram. Oh, I'm like, who? <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Carl Reiner is more than retired. He's unsubscribed. <laughs> I think it's because we said something wrong about Reiner in an episode. I can't remember specifically. And then we have... Kay Coaster wrote, How dare you disrespect Star Fox by calling him Sky Fox unsubscribe? Star Fox, like the, the video, video game? game. Yeah. LOL. <laughs> it was probably James. Sorry, bud. Yeah. And then we have Chaz Michaels wrote, Grand Terror is the most sucked unsubscribed. Damn. <laughs> oh my God. I love the unsubscribes. Do they ever actually unsubscribe? I hope not. I was gonna say commit to the bit, not. but yeah, don't do that. <laughs> they, I, I think it helps because they want to. Everyone wants to hear their unsubscribe read aloud. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I hope they don't unsubscribe. No, don't unsubscribe. Do not commit. To I'm the not bit. Sub- unsubscribe today. <laughs> I just Sorry, remembered. I'm, you know what? Sorry, I'm. No, we can do. An, I can do my own episode about M Night. We should do an episode you and me on the happening, and then an episode on the rest of the Twilight Saga. Now that I've watched oh my it. God, yes. All right, before we get into the rest of our movies that we've watched, don't forget to make a comment in our Hans Zimmer Movie Draft episode. If you want to win a free poster from MoviePosters.com, again, in order to win a chance for a free movie poster, go to the Hans Zimmer Draft episode on YouTube, make a comment, and that will put you into the contest to win a poster from MoviePosters.com. All right, next up, I saw Oppenheimer in IMAX. With a Q&A with Hoyt, Hoyt Van Hoytema, Jennifer LeMay, the editor, and then Ludwig Gorenson. And it was fucking awesome. And to see it in IMAX again was mind-blowing. What? Yeah. When was this? Last week. That's crazy. So they hosted an event. And it was a it was a Do you know the Sean Fennessy podcast? I don't know. I didn't know the podcaster. Mm-hmm. But he's a podcast with the Ringer, um, and so he hosted the event. And so they based, so they screened the film, and then those three came out, and they recorded basically. It was a Q and A podcast episode for his podcast. Wow. We weren't we weren't big enough for it though, but we, you know, Monday, one yeah. day, one day no, though. No, no. Next week. Next week. We're manifesting. Hoida, Hoida, I want Hoida on the show. Wow, that's crazy. Wait, it's on your list <clears throat> of people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that for you. It's hard to hunt people down, okay? I know. I understand. But um, it was really cool to see those three craftspeople in the room talking about the film because those three facets to film production are essential, cinematography, editing, and music, and they really do make a movie. I think that all three of them will win Oscars this year Mm. for their work. And it was just really fascinating to see behind the door um, what they had to say about the film and the filmmaking process. There were a couple cool tidbits where um, Hoyda Van Hoytema said that Chris Nolan likes to... So usually, when, even when people shoot on film, they'll still watch their dailies digitally. Mm. So they'll, they'll watch digital scans of the film prints the next day. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> Nolan likes to watch his IMAX film prints dailies on IMAX film. Of course he does. <laughs> so of fucking course he, he does. Has a tra- he has a trailer on set. And Nolan will screen the IMAX film footage or whatever, also the 65 footage they shoot the previous day. And so they'll watch it on an actual film projector in like his big trailer. How big is this trailer? It must be pretty big. It's Nolan. What? <laughs> it's like a Will Smith-sized trailer. 6'2"? <laughs> no. And so Hoyda said that Nolan, him, and uh, a few main heads of the departments of production will watch the dailies every morning from the previous day, make notes and stuff. And then um, sometimes Jennifer LeMay, the editor, visited for like a week and did the same thing. And then Ludwig Gorenson visited for like a few days uh, to get a sense for what was going on. But it was really cool to hear that because, I mean, to, to think that he loves film so much that he's screening dailies on film too is mm-hmm. just unbelievable. Like I, I, I doubt nobody does that. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, no one, not everyone can. Yeah, he's he's got, he's earned that right to like get whatever he wants and do it. It's, it's cool to hear that process, but also when they were f- filming in the L.A. area, um, 
they would actually watch the dailies at the Universal City Walk IMAX theater. Is that the one that we went to? Yeah, so oh, that's okay. like the big theater at Universal Studios, and it's an AMC. And so whenever they needed to, Nolan and the crew would take the film footage and watch it at the Universal AMC City Walk IMAX. That's so crazy. Isn't that insane? So like you could have been oh. like in a theater watching a movie, and then upstairs Nolan and his team are watching dailies from Oppenheimer, like to, in the theater. Yeah, we need to schedule our screenings for when he's shooting next yes absolutely but i gave the film five stars again wow and it's the third time i'd seen it and it was inter- it was great to see it uh what seven months since i previously saw it in july let me see because usually when 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 that's the case you see it on dvd or blu-ray or on streaming after you've seen it in theaters so it was really wonderful to see it again on the big screen in the best um f- possible format and I mean, I just was once again astounded. I saw a lot of new things. I felt, I felt new things, and I saw things became clearer with the filmmaking and, and why he structured the story the way he did. And it was really great and very enlightening to get to have that space mm-hmm. of from the last time I've seen the film and to watch it in a lot of ways in a new, fresh mindset. Yeah. So it was unbelievable. Five stars once again. And I wrote for my Letterbox review: Oppenheimer is coming for all the Oscars. <laughs> He's coming for him. He's coming. Oppie's coming. I should rewatch it because I gave it a four and a half. Well, it's um, it's actually screening right now in uh, a good number of theaters on sixty-five. Hmm. Yeah, on se- they're projecting it on the sixty-five on seventy millimeter film. Got it. So you can't see it in IMAX. That was just like a one night you thing. You had a special, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we get it. Okay. <laughs> All right. What's your next watch for the week? Uh, what was it? Oh, Arrival. Mm. I was showing a friend because I had never seen it. Um, I fucking love that movie so much. It's my top four. Is it four or five? Four? Top, it's on your letterbox top mm-hmm. four? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Because uh, I also read the short story, but I read it after I'd already seen the movie. The Entire History of You, or is that what it's called? Yeah. I think so. It's a, like The Story that. of You. The Story of You. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, The Story of Your Life. Story That's of Your Life, called. yeah. And the writing is so beautiful. Because he'll write, I remember when you'll blah, blah, blah. I remember when you will. So, yeah, you're recalling a memory in the future. Yes. In one sentence. Yeah, because you're reading this, say, like, if you hadn't watched the movie. Mm -hmm. But not knowing, I don't think you would catch the language that he's using. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that was really cool. Um, By the way, your top four is leave me alone. insane. You have Midsommar, yep. Before Sunset, yep, or Before Sunrise. Sunrise. Sorry, uh, Soul, and then Arrival. <laughs> <laughs> I love Soul. No, yeah, it's great. It's just a, an eclectic top four. It's great. It's you hit random. every you hit every genre. I felt like that's what I had to do. You know? <laughs> we did a great episode on Arrival a couple months ago, and I I mean I hadn't seen it for years, but it's really sensational. It's great. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, Amy Adams is so good at acting. So fucking good. <laughs> it's like, how does she do that? She can be this, you know, professor, and she can also be a Disney princess. It's uh, the reason. I mean, if it wasn't for that being a science fiction film, she would have probably won an Oscar for it. Do they typically not win? Sci-fi doesn't get much recognition at all, if any. They'll get, you know, uh, crafts awards like cinematography, production, or CGI, but. You'll rarely see rarely see great films get like awards recognition for actors. That's my <clears throat> qualm with award shows. Where you know sometimes you'll be like, "Yes, I agree with that. That's great," but they exclude a lot of movies just because it doesn't fit in a certain box. I mean, look at Nolan's filmography. He didn't get nominated for director for Interstellar or Inception. Can he get nominated? Christopher Nolan didn't get nominated for director until he did Dunkirk. This is why I don't pay attention movie. to these award shows because they don't really mean shit to me. I'm Isn't sorry. that crazy? It's in, that's insane. The guy made The Dark Knight, then he made Interstellar, and then he made Inception, and then Interstellar. Zero nominations for directing. He got a screenplay for Inception, but he should he should have won that screenplay. It's it's bogus. Isn't that wild? That's wild. That's why everyone's like everybody wants him to win this this year because he has received very little love from the Academy. He's gotten a couple of screenwriting Oscar nominations, one for Memento and one for Inception. 
uh, and now adapted. He'll he'll get nominated for adapted screenplay this year. But that's it. That's all he's gotten for um, Oscar nominations for him. Like his films have been nominated for things. Mm-hmm. But we're talking cinematography. We're talking um, music for Hans, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Editing. Me to the Academy, please broaden your horizons. But he's he won the Directors Guild Award um, for Inception. That's he good. won it that year. Because I mean, I can't think of a director who deserved it more than Inception yeah. for like that entire decade. Because what what he did with that movie. That's nuts, man. Okay, what's your you, what's your star rating of Arrival? I think I gave it a five star. Let me double check. I gave it four and a half. Let's see. Yep, five stars. 10 out of 10. Yeah, you guys gave it four and a half. <clears throat> so for our letterbox, it's just me now. Oh, the Raiders is you. Yeah, so James does his own. We started yeah, that in, in like that. the spring of last year. I just took over the Raiders letterbox. Ah, uh, that's why you're so nice on there. He's he's harsh <laughs> on it. I mean, He gave Babylon two stars and people give me shit for it. I'm like, I did not give Babylon two stars. Here's my thing. I, I don't love that we shit on other people's opinions. When it comes to like rating movies, well, some well, some of us don't, in a, but a lot of people do. Yes, is the problem. Yeah, and art is meant to be, you know, pers- it's subjective, and I think we should celebrate different, you know, opinions and the way we view. Not things. if you have the wrong opinion. <laughs> yeah, not if you have the wrong opinion. Sure, but giving a movie a three star versus say a four star, I don't think is worth like shitting on somebody for that yeah they're um the rating systems and social media have created like a very competitive atmosphere for being a film lover like a, and it's yeah. almost like it's a sports team that you root for against other sports teams in a way That's and you like you so can't toxic. like you're, you get angry at people for not liking a movie that you liked it's odd and also being a filmmaker or a film lover does not mean that you have to watch so many films or a certain types of films whatever you can still love movies as much as anybody else mm-hmm. i don't know yeah i'm just saying that to defend myself from not watching aliens <laughs> plural did you watch it yet no i didn't you watched an alien movie and it wasn't aliens i watched alien and then i watched an alien movie arrival okay you but i didn't okay. watch aliens. as long as you watch as long as you watch alien yeah um but yeah watch aliens this week it's aliens? great okay did you watch alien this past week yeah yeah was it your first um, time no it's like my second half time what'd you think I mean, I love that movie. Nice. I still need to finish it. <laughs> I was fall asleep. We'll find out what you think I'm next really week. I'm really sleepy. <laughs> yeah, ask me next week. Let me finish. You have it. a lot of jobs. I have a lot of jobs. You have a lot of jobs. Speaking of, if anybody has a job, <laughs> if anyone in LA has works in production, yeah, please let us know. Let, let me know. We can't afford to pay Nat. No, unfortunately, but that's okay. I'm here out of love. Aw. And admiration. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I can talk shit on your show. Let's just talk shit about James the whole time. Oh my god, when he fucking does that thing with his hair, <laughs> what, like he pulls it back. Yeah, and the way he he blinks. Does that ever piss you off? It always does. You ever look in the mirror? How and dare get he blink? Because you look like James. Can you believe like what he like speaks? Yeah, whenever he talks, I just I black out. <laughs> I just lay down. <laughs> we miss you. JK, James, JK. <laughs> All right, next up, I watched one of my all-time favorite films. So when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I was obsessed with Westerns. Mm. Like obsessed with like classic Westerns, spaghetti Westerns. And I watched them all. I devoured them. Devoured Like them. a hungry boy. Yum, yum, yum. And um, my favorite was The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, which I had seen a lot of times. And I, I remember I got this like great like DVD box set of it. But now it's just like... I can never watch it on DVD. I have to ask to be Blu-ray or bust. But I watched it again for the first time in years. Like I think like I haven't seen this for like four years maybe. And once again, I gave it five stars. Nice. And I wrote, an absolute marvel of cinema in the definitive spaghetti western. Do you know what the term spaghetti western means? Tell us. So spaghetti western is a western made by an Italian filmmaker. Hence the word spaghetti. Wow. And Is that offensive? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not offended <laughs> it's not as offensive as Trader Giotto's <laughs> don't even get me started <laughs> but um Sergio Leone um was an, a great great director one of honestly one of the greatest filmmakers in history and he really helped create new cinematic language with his westerns and this film's the pinnacle of him as a director and filmmaker um ironically for being probably the most iconic western 
it was shot entirely in Italy. Wow. Yeah. All the spaghetti westerns shot in Italy. Oh, western in Italy. Like saloon. Oh, my God. Uh, what do you call it? Tumbleweed? Yeah. Did they bring tumbleweed from the U.S.? No, there are deserts. <laughs> <laughs> there are deserts in Italy. <laughs> No, no, no! It's only America. <laughs> there are deserts in Italy. They brought the sand, and over. then also Sicily is filled with deserts. So, um, but ironic. I mean, people think that these are this is like an American Western. It is an American move. They made it for America, mm. but um, it's really just unbelievable. the The filmmaking, the cinematography, the editing, the music, Ennio Morricone's best score. And the, have you seen this yet? No. So if you're gonna watch a Western, make it this one. Okay. It's three hours, but it honestly it flies by. Three. Because the cast is great. The characters are amazing. Clint Eastwood is just, without a doubt, one of the most dynamic movie stars, one of the most incredible presences ever. Like, when he's on, when he's in the frame, it's like, this is, like, different kind of movie from mm-hmm. anything else. Like, he just had he that. owns the scene. Exactly. He just had that star power magnetism that, you know, you just can't teach anyone. Even yeah. his son doesn't. Either his you son have doesn't, or you don't. Scott Eastwood doesn't even have an, a fraction of it. You no, know what I mean? No offense. But when Clint Eastwood, especially in his prime, stood in front of the frame, you're like, oh, my God, this is... Holy, who is this guy? Yeah. And he's just just a perfect lead, and especially for the Western genre. But this is unbelievable. It has the greatest, probably the greatest made scene ever, which is the big finale. And, I mean, it's just unbelievable. This, I, I could talk. We're going to do an episode on this. I love it so much. We is gotta, he still alive? Clint? Mm-hmm. He's making a movie currently directing with See, Nicholas Holt. Now, if I don't hear from you in a year or two, I assume you're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought half of Hollywood was dead. <laughs> anyway. Well, Clint's just been the most prolific director given his age. He's made like over 10 movies just this century. He's like, what, sub- late 70s or early 80s? Late 80s. Late he's 80s? He's old. Yeah, he's old. Daniel. Old guy. He was like 40 when him. he made this movie. He's 66. Oh, shit. Good for him. He's a war veteran, and his um his boat got sunk, and he got rescued on a life raft and because he went through that experience the the army didn't send him back out and so he that's how we have him so then he was able to leave like with honorable discharge and then start acting wow isn't that crazy that's a crazy guy (laughs) crazy crazy man okay what do you have next on your watched movies list that's it that's it (laughs) yeah no worries because i got a couple more of course you do but it was a rough week for you. You didn't watch as many. As I only watched three. seven. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. One, two, three, four, five. Six. And the one I'm about to mention is actually just a short film. That's only 30 minutes long. But my God, it was good. I watched Wallace and Gromit, The Wrong Trousers. <laughs> Gromit. <laughs> this so is, funny. have you seen this one? I don't think. I think have you seen yeah. any, have you seen memes of like this penguin with the handgun? Yes. He's got a revolver. So search the wrong trousers, uh, Feathers McGraw. So this is, um. I mean, I grew up on a, a, a few of the Wallace and Gromit um, shorts and stuff, like the v- DVDs and VHSs. Um, this one actually won the Academy Award for Best Short Film. What? It wasn't even just Best Animated Film. It was Best Short Film. It's, that's how good it is. Wow. It's really well done. It's perfectly directed. Really great score. Very tight script. Overall, it was sensational, and I, I gave it five stars. <laughs> okay, you're looking at the penguin? Yeah. So that's Feathers McGraw. He's the villain. And so this movie is about Wallace and Gromit. Uh, they're broke, and Wallace decides to sublet one of the bedrooms, and the new tenant is this mysterious penguin who doesn't really speak at all. And then Gromit, suspicious of this new resident of the house, starts following and trailing the penguin, learning that this little penguin is scheming something. He's a very suspicious guy. I mean, and it ends up becoming um, the penguin had this elaborate plan to steal a prized diamond from a nearby museum using Wallace's recent invention of the techno trousers. <laughs> Gr- That's Gromit, a fun Gr- story. It's great. Gromit gets onto the case, and that ensues in a really fantastic action scene. But what's great is just that Feathers McGraw doesn't say a word at all. But he's an, like an amazing villain and antagonist. And there's this part where Gromit confronts him. And then out of nowhere, 
the penguin just pulls out a revolver, <laughs> like from within his coat, like his feathers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what a it's gonna, like a little cowboy revolver. It's Silently so, pulling out yeah, a revolver. It's so absurd. And I, I cackled, <laughs> and then it culminates in a, in a really fantastic and dynamic uh, tr- train chase sequence on like a toy train mm-hmm. <laughs> around the house. Mm-hmm. Overall, it was really funny. It's very smart and uh, just re- like really well crafted and. Uh, like I had a great time. It's 30 minutes long, but I was completely hooked from start to finish. And uh, I've, I've, I don't watch many short animated films, but I can't imagine one doing much better than this. It's a claymation, yeah? Yeah, claymation. And the letterbox poster I chose was actually, it's a spoof of the Red Dead Redemption 2 poster where Arthur Morgan is on the video games poster is now Feathers McGraw holding oh his revolver. <laughs> You did that? <laughs> I was like, this is the best poster I've ever seen on Letterboxd. It's amazing. And the film is highly regarded. It's got a 4.2 on Letterboxd. Wow. So everybody loves it. It's just, It was really great. I highly, if you got 30 minutes, check that film out, anyone. We got 30 minutes. And then my final watch of the week was an Eric Romer film who is uh, one of the... He's He was... He's still alive. He's like 80. Uh, French director... He started out in the 60s, um, but really came into prevalence in the 80s and 90s. Um, He kind of brought the French New Wave into a contemporary context with his films. Mm. Um, And a lot of his films deal with relationships and just people. And so this film is about this young guy. He's a a math student, and he's uh, staying at a friend's apartment in the south of France for a summer-long vacation. And his his friend's gone, so he's just living in his friend's apartment for the for the summer. Um, he's waiting for his kind of girlfriend to show up and join him, but she's basically ghosting him, and so he's just like very lonely, very sad, very French. Yeah, very French. He's very French, and then just wandering around aimlessly. Uh, he he star- sparks up a friendship with a local girl. Um, he really likes her, but he ends up quickly learning that she's got a boyfriend who's out of town, and then. She actually encourages him to date another girl in town, and he does, but then that creates kind of like an animosity and jealousy between the two of them, and then his sometimes kind of girlfriend shows up as well, and eventually he's found himself from one moment being completely lost and lonely and aimless to too a few bitches. weeks later, a few, yeah, exactly, too <laughs> many. He's juggling three girls, and um, but it's really great. Eric Romer is a... Uh, if anyone likes Richard Linklater films, especially the before trilogy, all of his films are really about people talking. And it has that really authentic, realistic, conversational dialogue that really feels like he just put a camera up and just started filming people. And you feel like you're part of the conversation, too. Exactly. And another thing that Romer did, which is why I said he's got that new wave influence that they started in France with Godard and Truffaut and a couple others, is they would just they would film just out anywhere they would take a camera and bring it outside they wouldn't get permits they wouldn't gorilla style yeah they wouldn't rent a location they wouldn't build huge sets and extras they would just like okay this conversation takes place on the street on the sidewalk let's just film our two actors there and so romer did that in this film as well as many of his others and you can just it's this huge beach town and there's literally hundreds of people all over and you can tell it's like they didn't have the budget to, yeah. to pay for a thousand extras and and sometimes if you have a, a keen eye you can see like people in the background like clearly looking at like is this a f- movie or something like mm-hmm. they're looking like right at the camera but like there's a very small in the frame but you can see them like gawking at obviously the film um, that's being filmed yeah. before them but it just really helps sell um the world it makes you feel like you're being put into a real world situation and um m- most of his films that i've seen their female leads i think you'll really like them especially the the green ray but this is one where it's a male lead predominantly and um, it's an interesting thing because he he basically like, in a way, nicely destroys men, <laughs> where it's not it's like he's calling men out on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but it's not like it's not gonna like put you off of it if you're a guy, you know yeah. what I mean? You'll be like, yeah, that's that's about right, <laughs> kind of. Is it like giving Barbie? <laughs> not so much, but it's more like like one of the one of the main themes of the film is that um, men don't take risks with dating. So, for example, he's like, he won't decide on a girl on which one to settle on until two of them decide not to see him anymore. 
You know what I mean? So he's just playing it safe. Like, you know, uh, I would like to be with her, but not if, but if she, only if she breaks up with me first. Interesting. So you think, do you think that the lack of choice only happens with romance or does it lack of choice for dating? Yeah. 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 Like, do you think men have an easier time making oh, fucking shit? <laughs> oh my God. Life flashed from my eyes. I would say that men, like career, probably general, probably generalizing, men ultimately might not feel as guilty by seeing and talking to multiple women as opposed to women. But I could be wrong. I don't know if you think. I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a it's a bad question because everyone's different. Yeah. I mean, um, I know. Yeah, I know girls that see a lot of guys. Yeah. Or talk is, to a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah. But the whole this whole movie, I think it was pretty spot on because he was like. He's in love with one, but then he's like sticking with two because one won't see him. Mm. And then three's like, you're being a piece of shit. Like you should really just choose one. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll choose two if one breaks up with me. <laughs> just make a choice. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Yeah. I thought it was great. You can do those, uh, the Venn diagrams. And, but it's done with, it's done with great nuance. And it's like you kind of you understand his situation because mm-hmm. he's like it's all out of fear of being alone. Yeah, that whole it's all motivated by well, that. I think that's a universal fear, right? right? An experience that like he's afraid men, of. He's everybody. afraid that if he picks one, she's gonna reject him. So then yeah. he'll have nobody. Yeah, ultimately. So that's he's motivated by that for sure. Yeah, but I I thought the movie was that's brilliant. Relatable. It's so good, and I gave it five stars. Wow, five stars. It's just. When you watch the a Romer movie, it's like this just feels like real people, just like a R- Linklater movie. Mm-hmm. And just there's really no plot, there's no villain. <laughs> it's just like people in the world, and it's like the conflicts that we deal with everyday life. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. It's exactly slice of life. And Richard Linklater has often said that Eric Romer was his biggest influence as a filmmaker and writer. Wow. So if you if anyone likes Linklater, check out Eric Romer's movies. Eric Romer. Can you spell Romer? R-O-H-M-E-R. See, I did not guess that. <laughs> <laughs> I love to ask that because I never know. Yeah. But um, cool. that's it for our letterbox recap, everybody. That was, a, that was a great assortment of films. And again, if you want to support the show, feel free to support us on Patreon. We have a bunch of great tiers as well as the ability to listen and want, listen to the show completely ad-free with our $5 tier. So if you want no ads whatsoever while you listen to Raiders of the Lost podcast, it's only five bucks a month. Yeah. It's like a mochaccino um, at a Starbucks. Bitch, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a dunkachino. A dunk mochaccino? <laughs> but yeah, Patreon's awesome. <laughs> James is better at this stuff than I am. <laughs> He's the salesman. James, please come back. <laughs> You're hearing this. And again, if you do want to win a free poster to enter the contest, all you got to do is make a comment in the Hans Zimmer movie draft episode on YouTube. So make a comment there and that enters you into the poster contest. We're going to pick a winner next week. So good luck, everybody. And thanks to everybody for sending us our their letterbox top four. It's always fun seeing those and the unsubscribes. And we have a bunch of great episodes coming up this week. Stay tuned, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Bye.